Hello, and welcome to Dope Conversations Podcast. I am your host, Bikita Pegram, and I am going to give you something to think about. Well, welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Dope Conversations. I'm glad you tuned in today. As promised, this month is really going to focus on um, women and black women in particular, but um, women as a whole and how we're perceived in the workplace. Now, sometimes in the workplace, we don't always get equal and equality footing. Our, our place in the workplace has improved, but is still not exactly where it should be. So you're probably saying, okay, Bikita, what you're talking about? So I'm talking about some research that Stanley James, um, she's a American social scientist and she specializes in human rights, black feminism and black families. She came up with this term called other mothering. Well, it goes back to slavery and how black women slaves were expected to other mother children that were not theirs. So anytime you mother a child that is not yours biologically or not yours as far as marriage, blended families, things like that, you are participating in other mothering. So example of that would be teachers. Teachers do that almost every day. I can't think of an instant where a teacher may not do that. So when you think about other mothering, you're thinking about that person that comes in and provides that nurturing care that you would get from a mother. Well, we're seeing that happen in most every profession that black women and women in general work in. So when you think about education, as we just discussed, but also in just in corporate America, corporate America. So when you think about that woman that is always right there on the cusp of a promotion, but doesn't quite get it, it may be because they see her as a mother, a nurturer. That's the person they go to to talk about their kids. That's the person they they go to to talk about their marriages. And I say they, it could be female or male gender or that come to them to talk about these issues, all of which have nothing to do with their job. So it's considered other mothering. Now, in all fairness, you have some women that, that they enjoy that. It's okay. They want to be able to socialize with their coworkers in that way. And if they're open to that, perfectly fine. But the problem comes in when we assume that every woman wants to talk about your marital problems, your problems at home with your kids. That is not a part of their job. Well, you say, oh, well, but it might be a part of the culture and getting to know that family setting at work. Okay, but if you look around the office and there's only one or two people doing that, is it really the culture? Or have we turned these women into what some call now working moms or work wives 
All of those things that we would not necessarily do with our male counterparts. So that is where my problem comes in. If I am the only woman on the job, why am I the one that has to do the nurturing? Men have nurturing bones in their body. They're just not exercised sometimes. (laughs) But women often have to exercise their nurturing bone. And to the point that if a woman has a child or is raising children, it may be assumed that that is the only thing that they want to do. So they often get stuck in whatever position they're in because when it's time for promotions, higher-ups may say, oh, well, this job may be too demanding for a working mom or this job may keep her too um, too many hours at work or this job will keep her away from her family. Not assuming that or assuming that this woman can't have both. This woman doesn't have home at, um, help at home. You don't know what her situation is at home, but often it is assumed what her situation is at home. So often her skills and her work ethic go unnoticed or unappreciated because they want the mother in her instead of the work in her. So that is what we're going to be talking about all month. And I look at some research that I found today, and it was about um, other mothering and faculty and HBCU-driven. Now, being on the student side of HBCUs, I never looked at it like that. And to be honest, I did it the other day. I was going to the doctor for a checkup, and there was this older woman at the receptionist desk and I just she just reminded me of my grandmother and when she asked me how I was doing I was like not good it's been a rough day now anybody else I'd have been like oh I'm good how are you but she just had that aura about herself that made me want to I guess put her in a other mother position And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. So we have to be aware of what we're doing. I think at HBCUs is very common. And most often in the student affairs and in our relationships also with the professors, because especially if she's a woman, we're going to assume that she has kids and she knows how to other mother. Um, HBCUs are very family oriented. That's why I love them. HBCUs worry about the whole person, not just the person that's coming to class, not just the person that's playing sports, not just the person that is on financial aid. They worry about every aspect of you. I can remember a professor my freshman year and he told us as freshman students how to get social services, and we were all floored. And he he really made sure that most of us got signed up for social services so that we could have food and things like that while we were going through our college careers. And I noticed, I said he, so I guess this would be other fathering. (laughs) And he 
made sure that we had help. But same thing with the little ladies in um, financial aid. They made sure that we knew about the funding opportunities, scholarships, grants that we could obtain if we had certain GPAs. And HBCU experience was just like that. You had aunts and uncles all over the campus. No one was not family. No one was just a specialist in financial aid or just a specialist in student affairs. Everyone was family and everyone helped you. So when you looked at the positions, yes, most of the positions that helped directly with students were women. So I can see how other mothering was expected and encouraged by the by the um, institution and in the article that I was reading it said just that that it was encouraged it says it creates an institutional culture where all students are affirmed and valued build excuse me builds a sense of belonging fosters student communication and student engagement so a lot of HBCUs use this other mothering to build student engagement to create that sense of belonging and it works but who does it work for apparently it works for the students but is it really working for faculty and staff and that is what we're looking at is how are women that don't want to be in this other mothering position finding ways to grow and progress and the thing that I'm looking at is how can we stop it if it's not something you want to do? Um, I remember one of my professors telling me she was in a meeting. She was the only woman at the time in the meeting. I guess she showed up first. And one of the male, I guess, faculty or staff in the meeting asked her to get some coffee. Well, they asked the wrong person <laughs> because she's, she stood her ground and she said no. And it makes me think that is what it's going to take for us who do not want a other mother in our professional work settings to say no. To say no to other mothering may be hard, but this is what we're going to have to do. So on my block, here we are. What do we do? What can we do? To stop other mothering in the workplace. One, you're going to have to set clear boundaries. If you're not comfortable with other mothering, you don't have to be. That is not a requirement of your job. Maybe if you're a daycare worker or a daycare director or student affairs at some institutions, they may be pushing it. But ultimately, you have to set your boundaries on what you're okay with. So if you're not okay with serving coffee to your male counterparts at work, say it. Um, number two, really make it aware of what other mothering looks like because people may not be aware of what they're doing. Um, a gentleman that I met yesterday made a great point. This council society, we have to remember that just because you're aware, someone else may not be. Just like how I was not aware of other mothering until I really started researching this. And when I did, I said, oh, I've been doing that. So now that you are aware, 
And remember our activism. Education is my activism. You have to share it. And you have to share what it looks like and how to stop doing it. So one, awareness. Well, excuse me. Two, boundaries. And one, <laughs> one is boundaries and two is awareness. So make sure that you set your boundaries. And when you're setting those boundaries, soft boundaries, Soft in the fact that our approach to setting the boundaries, it doesn't have to be like, okay, I'm halfway in and halfway out, but just setting your boundaries softly and making people aware of what other mothering is and why it's uncomfortable and why it's not necessary for you to do your job. And if it is, that means everyone should be held accountable in doing that. So those are two things that we can definitely do right now and when you look at it, don't, I would say, yes, it's been expected, but I think it's something that we can change with effort and awareness. So that is what I leave you with today. Next week, we will continue to talk about women in the workplace and why um, or how we can stop looking or being viewed as nurturers. That's not the only thing that we have to offer to this world. That's definitely not the only thing that we have to offer to a workplace. So we want to delve a little bit more into that. But this month, our guest is going to be Dr. Lisa Thompson. Um, she's a educational leadership professor at Prairie View A&M and I have the luxury of being her mentee and she brought provides so many experiences that she's had and can share that we can grow from as a strong black woman in academia. And we know that academia is pretty male dominated when you talk about deans and the higher level positions. And I just love the way that she has built and crafted her career. She has done, like I said, some amazing things working at Capitol Hill, um, working at various institutions. She's very involved in her sorority. She's a, a president of a local chapter of Link Society. So I'm just so proud of the things that she's accomplished as a woman but also as a black woman. And I'm glad that I get to draw from all that experience. And I want you to be able to get some of that as well. So that is going to be our last guest of the month. So please make sure you tune in so you can get all of that great information she's going to share with us. But until then, please follow like and share this podcast so that you can make sure that it is in your podcast. When you pull it up, you can see dope conversations. And again, leave us a review. Tell us how I'm doing. Any topics that you want to hear, please leave that as well. And also, most importantly, if you want to get on this mic with me and share some thoughts, please join in. It'll be fun. You can find us on Anchor. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more um, podcast platforms. But you can also find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Bikita Pegram, website, Bikita Pegram. So I look forward to talking to you next week. It's been fun. Keep those other mothering trends in mind. See if you're doing them like I did. <laughs> so I appreciate you tuning in. It's always fun talking to y'all. I love sharing things with you all because I think awareness is the key to change. And again, 
Go forth and be great. Be keyed out. <laughs>